0: The charius maid is prodigal enough if she unmask her beauty to the moon. Virtue itself scapes not calumnious strokes. The canker galls the infants of the spring, too oft before their buttons be disclosed. And in the moon and liquid dew of youth, contagious blastments are most imminent. Be wary, then. Best safety lies in fear. Youth to itself rebels, though none else near.
1: I shall the fact of this good lesson keep as watchman to my heart.
0: I'm Zach Powers,
1: and this is Stage of Fools,
0: the unofficial Royals podcast.
1: Today we talked about Season 1, Episode 2, Infants of Spring. The palace prepares for its first official social event since Robert's death, a garden party for veterans and their families. Liam's socialite ex-girlfriend Gemma returns and clashes with Ophelia, ultimately causing Ophelia to end her fledgling relationship with the prince. Eleanor seduces her blackmailer's Olympic hero in an attempt to regain some control in her sexual relationship with her bodyguard. Cyrus uses his fluid sexuality to blackmail a powerful man named James Holloway, apparently on Queen Helena's orders. Helena herself is revealed to have a longtime lover in one of the event's guest veterans. Oh my gosh, where to begin with this episode? I think... Um this, more so than the premiere, is the episode that made me decide that I was going to keep watching this show. Well,
0: the the premiere was so full of exposition and setting up characters and motivations and angles, and this is a comparatively very light episode. They just go to oh, yeah. a nice little party, and there's a few plot developments, but not too many.
1: Nothing too too sinister. I mean, there is some... Sexual blackmail because this is oh, the yes. Royals. So, no episode would be complete without some sexual blackmail.
0: Oh, we jump right into that in the first scene, too. No breather.
1: Okay, so as of episode two, now there are three people who are being sexually blackmailed yeah. three separate people, three separate situations. Um, just had to say that. And it actually is kind of relevant at the beginning of the episode because I'm pretty sure the first thing we see is Eleanor waking up in bed with Jasper.
0: She is trying to get her phone. She is is claw- she claw- climbing over him trying to get his phone. Uh,
1: okay. So, so the phone is on his bedside table. Rather than
0: walk around. out of bed <laughs> and
1: walking around, yes. she's like, I should probably mount him. And yeah. fairness to her... He's a very good looking man. But in fairness to everything else, he's also sexually blackmailing her.
0: Yes, true. He has committed numerous felonies <laughs> yeah. against her person.
1: There's some sexy back and forth, as we kind of be familiar with these two. He's still threatening to release the video to the press, but here's something I want to talk about. Um, this is the first time and not the last time that his story about what happened that night changes. Because when he first reveals it to her, he says that he slipped drugs into her drink. And then when she accuses him in this episode of drugging her, he says, you drugged yourself, implying that it was like the Molly that she had been tweeting about taking that night. That's incredibly sketchy. It
0: foreshadows a development later in the series that I I think... We'll get to it later. I think it's supposed yeah. to humanize Jasper. I don't see that development as humanizing him in any way, uh-huh. but... Um,
1: yeah, I think that this is our supposed to be our first clue that his story isn't real, or at least whatever he told her the first night isn't real.
0: Yeah, he seems, over the course of the series, he casually lies about things very frequently, including who he is <laughs> and where he's from.
1: Even you and I still can't figure out what nationality he is. Right, like, not yeah. even close. You know what? Let's not look it up, because... I want to, like, be maybe surprised we'll be su- someday. We'll, we'll yeah. get
0: to that episode and we'll be like, there it is.
1: Yeah, I think I don't want to look it up. I want to keep the, the mystery lost
0: alive. The Style Jasper flashback episode where it shows. Either
1: way, Tom Austin, the actor who plays Jasper, if that even is his real name, uh-huh. is very good at both accents as far as I can tell. I mean, I am an ugly American with an extremely nasal Midwestern accent, so maybe I'm not the best judge, but
0: yeah. I, I mean, can't I, tell. I don't know which country he is from. <laughs>
1: I love how much research we've done for our podcast.
0: Yeah, I get fooled by British people putting on American accents all the time. So Oh
1: yeah. I I'm going to
0: lean I'm going to lean British. They seem to be better at it than vice versa.
1: So, Jasper is being really obnoxious in my opinion, and mm-hmm. he keeps ordering Eleanor to get him breakfast, which is yeah. annoying, and um her mother knocks on the door and is like it's the Queen of England, you know, like your mom says to you, like how For a sure. mother greets her daughter.
0: Well, this is it's not the, the best England. relationship.
1: This is just so <sighs> classic Helena. She says that she's the Queen of England in pretty much every scene. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jasper apparates on oh, out man. of there.
0: Fucking, I'm unclear. He, he pull, He's like Batman or a ninja or some shit because he, <laughs> he is disappears, gone out of that bed. And then later when she leaves, he is back in it like he never left. Like, he has an invisibility cloak that he just has lying around somewhere.
1: It's the art of illusion. I mean, the first watch I thought he was under the bedclothes, but the second watch I, like, really looked and he's definitely not. So, that was interesting.
0: I am not ruling out the idea that Jasper actual backstory is that he trained as a ninja in Japan because first he could just disappear. And later he just knocks this dude out in like three seconds flat.
1: Anyway, so Helena comes in with her old man servant mm-hmm. and her dominatrix assistant. We Can don't know that yet, do- but yes. Okay. Well, you know, as we said last episode, dear listeners, there are going to be some very light spoilers for season one. Perhaps we'll do our best to keep season two Under wraps for you, but if you're listening to this, it's been, we're going to assume you're doing a rewatch or that you're uh, listening along with us. Right. So um, her and her assistant come in, and they're trying extremely ineffectively to control Eleanor, to shame her, I guess. Helena says something about her beavering about, which is a phrase you probably never need to hear from your mom.
0: I think she just made it up, by the way. I'm 95% confident that that is not a phrase
1: in Britain. Yeah, I feel that way too, but I've also heard some amazing swear words on Skins. I'm pretty well versed in British teen dramas and, yeah, I've heard some interesting uses of the C word, so I don't want to rule anything out. Okay. So, they revealed to her one of, honestly... I know it's cheesy, but it's one of my favorite running gags, which is the filter on Eleanor's tweets where she'll say something and then it comes out very chipper and positive and almost always with the hashtag LOL, which is like, who does that (laughs) unironically? I don't know. Every time it pops up on screen, I really get a kick out of it, to be honest. I
0: mean, to be fair to Helena, her tweets were pretty crazy explicit beforehand. I don't know what kind of reaction the rest of the country is having to this, but I believe one sample one was, my date is on fire. Good thing my vagina is wet.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, mom. If you're listening, just had to throw that in there. Queen Helena just it seems incredibly chipper to be a mother who just lost a son. And I know kind of the point is that she's putting on a happy face for the public, but it is still, it's abrasive. And King Simon notices he is, you know, he's pretty much as, as decent a guy, as decent a human as you could wish for. It's actually kind of like a... Downton Abbey romanticizing the monarchy romanticizing the upper class thing a little bit I think I mean I love King Simon as a character he's just like unbelievably perfect right you know like the only thing he wants is to like human connection which is very relatable and I think he you know the actor who plays him just carries it off so beautifully But at the same time, it's almost cartoonish to throw him against Queen Helena, who seems to have almost no positive qualities.
0: Well, I mean, he almost seems so completely perfect and such an adept and perfect ruler for the country that you wonder how long he will stick around immediately. Because obviously at some point, something's going to happen. There's a
1: ton of... Yeah, they're dropping hints left and right, too. I mean, I feel like... You know, watching him, I think it's supposed to make us feel a little bit like, why would you get rid of the monarchy? You know what I mean? Right. Because he's like this benevolent father figure, you know, literally embracing the child from the crowd in the first episode, and that's a moment I like. It's just it's interesting to look at it from that perspective. Um,
0: I I guess you could argue that the only way the monarchy would ever fall or disappear is under a king that noble, sort of like. George Washington not wanting to be the first president is the whole point of making him the first president.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That makes sense. There's no one in the country who loomed quite as large at the time. You know what I mean?
0: I do know what you mean. I completely (sighs) do, yeah.
1: We are continuing along with the Ophelia... Well, I just want to make
0: a quick note before we move on. Because this is the first instance... In this scene, the first instance of something that will happen semi regularly (gasps) on the show.
1: How could I skip over it? Shame on me!
0: And uh, it is when uh, Eleanor first uses the phrase FML. Phrase.
1: Um, It's just three letters. uh, Phrase.
0: Phrase. Okay, the internet slang. The the circa 2009 (laughs) popular internet (laughs) saying. The
1: acronym. Uh,
0: Yes, FML, which I think happens in this episode alone at least three times.
1: Oh, it. At least. At least. At least three major times, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a running thing in the show. I almost don't know what to say about it.
0: It's, it's a bizarre...
1: <laughs> it's bizarre.
0: It's a bizarre, it's almost bizarre. catchphrase for the show that they are so into. Like, they keep using it throughout the season and into next season. And
1: it's... It's like a it's, tagline.
0: It's been... It was dated for a couple of years by the time this show premiered.
1: I almost wonder if it's them trying to be like ironic like because they're living in the lap these characters are living in the lap of luxury and they're supposed to be like at the absolute like the dream life right perhaps i'm giving the show a little bit too much credit but i created a podcast about it so i don't know what else to say (laughs) i'm just
0: i mean i'm just more surprised they aren't using like at least slang that's only outdated by like one year like maybe they toss it in on fleek on in there or something instead of an Ugh. FML.
1: Woof. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like this show was more written by people who are Simon and Helena's age than people who are Liam and Eleanor's age, if that makes any sense. Not That's, that there's anything not that there's anything wrong with that. Worst sure. impression of all time. You're welcome. Um so yeah, it's just it doesn't ever really one hundred percent not stick out
0: no it's it's very bizarre every time it happens because even more so than most of the dialogue on this show no one in real life speaks like that like they don't even use it on twitter or in texts really but saying it aloud is just another level
1: and they always say each letter as its own thing it's never just like oh fml it's like f m
0: oh yeah there are there are periods (laughs) in how they pronounce it
1: each one has separate quotations around it. Liam and Ophelia still have their little, like, flirtation thing going on. Ophelia meets uh, Liam's best friend, who's not his bodyguard. Um, Ashok, who I think is a really fun character. I think the actor who plays him is having a lot of fun. He's sort of like this chipper, zany little fellow. I, I don't know what else to say about him at this point. I mean, he has some really fun scenes later on in the show, most notably involving a bow and arrow.
0: Yes, he's
1: he's he's like
0: a goofy little guy. It's easy to push around a little bit.
1: Yeah, but like he's a sweetheart. He's a little bit of a pervozoid, but like yeah, in definitely. an endearing way.
0: It's so much as in this episode, he takes a he openly takes a picture of another character's breasts and later is just <laughs> staring at it while oh, hanging yeah. out.
1: Well, this will mean nothing to you because you don't have as good of taste in television as I do. Uh, but some of our listeners may have seen some other British slash British inspired shows. So um I feel like this character is really heavily inspired by Dev Patel's breakout character on Skins, Anwar. Um Anwar was such a great, fun character that Danny Boyle's daughter showed her dad skins and upon watching it Danny Boyle was like I need to bring him in to audition for Slumdog Millionaire and he was a character that was originally meant to be like the comic relief and he just created this great performance so I'm not saying the guy who plays Ashok has had a chance to really spread his wings like that yet but I just thought it was interesting from one actually British show to an American show that's trying so hard to be British there was something that felt like it had been Really heavily influenced by probably one of the most popular British crossover TV hits yeah. um, for this age demographic. I suspect so, fellow Skins fans. I
0: suspect Ashutosh's role is a little too light in the show for him to become a breakout character per se.
1: Oh yeah, he doesn't have a lot to do, and I don't think he's going to be I don't know that he's going to end up being Horatio, and even no. if he was, because you know I love talking about the Hamlet parallels. That's oh, why sure. we have those fun little performances at the beginning of our mm-hmm. show. Um, I I don't know that he's going to be Horatio, and even if he is, Horatio actually has very little to do in Hamlet besides yeah. be the character who's like, they all died. They yeah. all died, and I'm still here. It would
0: occasionally be Hamlet's sort of sounding board that he can talk to.
1: You know what would be fun? If he hmm. were Rosencrantz and Guildenstern.
0: That would be an interesting turn of events.
1: And at some point, Liam, like... Betrays this very innocent character for a revenge plot or something.
0: Well, you, I mean, an obvious contender for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern would obviously be Penelope, and uh, (gasps) is uh, is it Annabelle or Maribel. I can't remember.
1: I'm not sure, but I just love keeping my eye on that because, as Will go further into the show, I feel like there's going to be more and more of that. For sure. But we should probably
0: talk about Gemma.
1: Oh, okay. So I have in my notes, in all caps, Gemma, Gemma, Gemma. But real quick first, I did want to say the exchange between Ophelia and Ashok is very charming. And it's nice to see um, Merritt plays Ophelia have something funny to do because she Mm -hmm. is funny. And she can totally be funny. They just don't often give her a chance to like be a part of the joke. So their scene is like very I thought it was very charming. Okay, so Gemma, oh my gosh, I wrote her name because I love her. Uh Liam and Ophelia go back to his room and who should be waiting there but his ex question mark girlfriend Gemma, mm-hmm. who's a diamond heiress and she's incredibly sassy. And she's just like laying there in some really fancy um underwear a uh, lingerie type thing. I don't know what you call it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and everyone's just like, uh, hi, you've been gone for 10 months, apparently. She just, like, broke up with him and left. And Ashok comes in and takes a picture of her in her, uh, all together.
0: Yeah. Which she doesn't seem to mind, I guess. So You know that.
1: what? She looks great. Why yeah. should she be ashamed? Uh. Um, but it is kind of a... Um, uh, uncomfortable moment to say the least because Ophelia's like wasn't expecting this
0: yeah and I think part of the reason she was roped back in is because Helena probably like made some kind of contact with her to bring her back to get rid of Ophelia I should say that Gemma is she's probably kind of like what Helena was like younger I think her main reason for interest in Liam is is it she's the one who has to social climb if you know what I mean Mm -hmm.
1: At this point, that's what I thought. Later on, as we go in the series, I might question that more. But uh, when I was watching it through the first time, at this point, I, too, assumed she was definitely just a gold digger. Um, Yeah. I think that she's actually a little more humanized than Helena over the course of the show. Oh,
0: that's probably true, yes.
1: But in this episode, she really almost is on par with Eleanor just in terms of sheer amount of one-liners and, like threats she says that she would like actually throw down and physically fight Ophelia and I did not doubt it because I lived in England for six months I know some British girls and I've watched a hell of a lot of British TV and I mean this is a huge compliment British girls are not afraid to throw down yeah so she it's nice again like I said it's nice to have see Ophelia have some stuff to do she and Gemma butt up against each other in this episode and it's it's pretty funny
0: yeah um there's a nice little moment later where um, Ophelia's out of place at, the premise of the episode is it's one of their annual garden parties, which a lot of very fancy folks are attending.
1: It's for veterans, and the family's a veteran. And that will come into play later, so I just wanted to throw it out there. Shema
0: just kind of schools Ophelia on all the mores among the <laughs> ruling class. The different
1: diplomacy!
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of a nice little moment where she's, she very sort of caustically reminds Ophelia how much she does not belong in the world that she is in. Which leads to another event. But But uh,
1: she also gives her some actually helpful advice. That's the thing. She gives her a good deal of advice on actually how to navigate the event. Gemma says that, you know, oh, I'm just trying to be nice. But she says to Ophelia, why did your parents name you that? And I was like, thank God someone finally asked. (laughs) We've all been wondering. I mean, the Hamlet connection is the obvious reason, but in the world of the show, it's like, yeah, I'm glad well, someone no. finally asked. Someone I finally ass- had the stones.
0: I do assume Hamlet exists in this world. And Ophelia, like, as characters go, does not have the best lot in life. So I'm not entirely sure why no, you would name...
1: I guess her mom, you know, who... In the previous episode, we talked about reading all creatures great and small was probably just, um, is meant to be like a, a very bookish, yeah, a literate woman, which makes yeah. sense. I mean, it's, it's a pretty name. Yeah. But you know, like clitoris is a beautiful word. That doesn't mean I'm mm. going to name my daughter that.
0: That's a fair point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a big crowd, and to get across it,
0: just to sort oh, of, sort of lash out against his mother's controlling tendencies, Liam is like, <sighs> I'm just going to so go ahead and him. crowd surf over this crowd. I think Marcus's response is either Marcus or Helena gives us another F. It's Marcus. ML at
1: that point. Oh, Marcus him. says something like, Are you fucking serious? Like, that's not the actual line. And then Helena goes FML. But Marcus, I thought, had the better, like, call out. And this is where we start to see him begin to lose his patience with Liam, which is a Another pretty important thread running through the show in terms of how this story might come together in terms of being connected to Shakespeare. Marcus, of course, crowd dives in after Liam. But what really drove me crazy was Liam taking a fucking selfie while after stage diving (laughs) while crowd surfing.
0: Yeah, that was such well, an
1: obnoxious moment. It yeah. was gross. It
0: that, that is. It is a little... Uh, he has gross. no dignity. Not that many of these characters have a great deal of real dignity, but yeah, no, that's not not great. Not a great look.
1: I mean, look, I've taken a fair amount of selfies in my day, but I'm also not the future king of England, so there is that for a start. Eleanor has, in my opinion, a slightly more charming entrance. She basically, like, comes on finds a cigarette on the ground lights it starts smoking it grabs a bottle of champagne from the crowd drinks it and just like that's it
0: yeah no <laughs> well, she knows what she needs to do and she does it
1: she's wonder, also the she... only important she's the only woman there not wearing one of those lovely Little, silly british hats
0: just those tilted decorative hats
1: there's a word for them that is oh, a fascinator that's what they're called
0: okay I'll take your word for it.
1: At the garden party, we see Helena kind of exchange flirtatious glances and words with this handsome, age-appropriate soldier guy, um, perhaps some sort of officer. And Simon is having just a series of very touching, lovely moments with Prudence, the maid who Cyrus um, sexually assaulted in the past episode. And of course, Simon being the antithesis of his brother is like just wants to be allowed to do the normal human task of, like, having a conversation while preparing baked goods for a party. It's devastating.
0: Yeah, they have a nice little relationship that gets fleshed out more as the show goes on, Prudence and Simon, to the point where, yeah, I mean, later on in the series, him having some non-romantic affection for her is at least a minor plot point. Oh, Um, yeah.
1: I mean, he's almost like... You know, I love reading about Imperial Russia and they always talk about the czar as being like the father of all the Russian people. I mm-hmm. almost feel like Simon sees himself that way. He almost seems like a very asexual character, even though he's married to Helena, but we like we never really see them have any romantic encounters majorly. That's true. He's like he's so saintly and benevolent that he doesn't necessarily have like a sexuality of his own. Which is interesting, I guess. He's Yeah, he's just such a saintly figure, I guess there's no other way to put it. But, for every Mufasa, there is a scar. Yeah. And, um, uh, I want to talk about Liam and Cyrus' conversation at the garden party.
0: Yeah, he just comes upon Cyrus in this tent at the garden party. He's drinking, I guess, brandy out of this classy snifter. I want oh, to know. that... His
1: scarf is beautiful.
0: His cravat, it's pretty great. <laughs> his <laughs> he, uh, jacket, flawless. Yeah, no... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. Cyrus has the best style of any male character on this show by... Of by any
1: a, male character on TV.
0: Yeah, by a, by a, by a country mile. He's got oh. his game down.
1: He's a beautiful man.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Which will
1: come into play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure.
1: <laughs> I actually wrote part of this down because Cy- um, Cyrus literally starts having almost a... Uh, shakespearean soliloquy where he like will talk to liam and then times like turn away and have an exchange to himself that they almost act like liam can't hear it's very interesting so they're kind of trading barbs back and forth insulting each other and liam is like hey at least i'm young i have time to change and cyrus says You have no time. You have now. You're one breath away from the throne, and he like whips around in his chair. On your one breath away from the throne, and he talks about he's like, no one knows better than me the pleasures of excess and indulgence. But people would kill for the throne. Then he turns away and goes. I'd kill for the throne. And the show acts as if Liam cannot say him. He's having, like... Honestly, he is full-on monologuing like a stage character.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He is... People would
1: kill. (sighs) And it is my favorite moment of the episode, and I really liked a lot of Gemma's moments, but Cyrus was just like, ugh, I feel like this actor... I need to learn more about him. I feel like he must have been a stage actor because... He just did such a beautiful job with that piece. It was it was a delight.
0: He consistently steals the show. He is one of of the regular characters, easily one of the two most enjoyable to watch, uh, him and, and Eleanor.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, fully, you know, Team Eleanor over here. Um, oh, boy. So, gosh, there really was more plot in this episode than I thought, actually. So um, Jasper notices this Olympic swimmer. I don't know his name. Let's just call him the swimmer. Sure. Um, And Eleanor kind of notices Jasper noticing this guy and is like, oh, what's his story? Is he a hero of yours? And Jasper's like talking about this guy's athletic prowess. So Eleanor kind of taunts Jasper and says that she's going to like have sex with this guy in order to kind of tear him down in Jasper's esteem. So she starts pretty openly flirting with him while Penelope and Maribel kind of buzz around in the background uh, with their... Horny little asides. Uh, They're doing their usual thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, I'm just trying to push through and get to all the hookups here. There's this uh, man named James Holloway. Right. Uh, It was unclear to me if he was a politician or if he was just a very rich man whose money they wanted.
0: I'm not sure they necessarily established that, and it. But I, I don't guess they it don't really comes need money, play. so maybe let's. No. Say, he
1: has some sort of powerful. I don't know we, that we even have heard about it yet, but that maybe. Aspect come of up the later.
0: character, I'm not at least so far hasn't really come into play in any significant yeah. way.
1: So the important thing is that Jasper um, does cocaine with him and seduces him. Right. And the two of them have sex. And Cyrus tells Holloway that if he doesn't do what he wants, then he'll tell his wife and children about their affair. And Cyrus also heavily implies that this was a plan between himself and Helena.
0: Right. Which is and the
1: first kind of hint of scheming we see between them.
0: It establishes... I would call Cyrus bisexual, but I think it's more accurate to say he will fuck anything.
1: Uh, he's sort of like Tyrell Wellick uh, in Mr. Robot. He... Uses his sexuality as a tool to get ahead too. I think. I think part of it is that he truly is lecherous, but I think a lot of it is like a power thing, which makes sense, especially for the character and like how power hungry he is. Right. So at the same party, my uh, Gemma and oh god, Ophelia challenges Gemma to a drinking contest with whiskey. Bad idea.
0: Right. Ophelia. Gemma. Oh god. Feels out of place, kind of, especially after Gemma has been sort of um, kind of sarcastically mocking her or uh, teaching her um, how to conduct herself in this society, clearly with the intent of making Ophelia feel uncomfortable. And well, she comes also... back.
1: Oh, sorry. I was going to say it's clear that everyone adores Gemma.
0: Yeah. Everyone. That's true. Yeah. And she comes back up to Gemma with a bottle of whiskey,
1: <laughs> saying, a I am maybe.
0: Of Never been to a high-class function like this, but I have been to Kentucky, and apparently that grants you the power to drink pretty much an entire handle of goddamn whiskey in one so, sitting.
1: So, they go back and forth drinking it, and it's so funny because when we cut back to them after, like, it's been a while and they've had a bunch, it's very clear that Ophelia is super wasted and Gemma is, like, not drunk. Like, no. not just not wasted, she is, like doing the best eyebrow work besides Cyrus on this show. Like, yes. she's just doing a great job. So, um, she's kind of like, um, she's got you my- know, I wake up in the morning, have a Bloody Mary, then I have a mimosa for brunch and I just drink all day with my high-class friends. Welcome to my world, bitch. And Ophelia stumbles away and hilariously grabs a fascinator from one lady's head and smashes it onto the head of a lady who's already wearing one.
0: Um, it's a very Marion Ravenwood-type scene where Gemma I guess sorta of, I mean but but the the thing is they they polish off an entire handle of whiskey between the two of them. It's shocking. Um, it's insane, it's yeah. The it's it's like it's like uh, John Belushi in Animal House practically. Just <laughs> it's absurd. Especially because Ophelia, though she does get drunk, recovers from her drunkenness within a matter of two hours or so
1: i wanted to talk about that why does her hair slash face look so perfect while she's vomiting up egg salad that's not fair that's not okay like so liam i'm gonna start going by plot lines instead of chronological order just because we're cutting back and forth between so many different people having sure. either profa- profound conversations or hooking up um liam uh, and Ashok find her passed out in the bushes Liam takes her back They they see
0: her take a spill, actually, I think. She's walking towards Liam.
1: Did she just pass out? Yes. Um, He takes her back. She apparently barfs a ton. And Mm. they have a conversation that I actually was glad they gave Ophelia this moment. She talks about how she was the girl without any stories. And she wanted to, like, have sex with a prince to have a story. And I kind of liked they gave her, like, a less than perfect human moment. Because God knows they haven't before. But Liam is pretty open-minded about it. And then she recovers and she looks perfect and that's pretty much it. Uh, But she does tell Liam that you know she isn't really of the same world as him and Gemma, who he calls his first love, which is probably kind of significant. She basically ends it with him.
0: Um, He establishes that the only reason Gemma was... She's kind of jealous of Gemma being there. And she establishes in no uncertain terms that the only reason she was there is because Helena invited her and not that he did... Yeah,
1: but it sort of like Uh, was a wake-up call for her in a different way as far as she was concerned. Yeah. I don't think um, he agreed with that, but there it is. Oh, I wanted to – one more thing before we wrap up with Ophelia for the day pretty much. I Mm -hmm. really liked Gemma's line to her, I can be you. Can you be me? Talking about how Gemma could easily be that, you know, wilt – or not wilting flower, you know, like a delicate little girl next door type. But she didn't think that Ophelia could step it up and be like the as nails diplomatic woman that she is.
0: I mean, they're they're better. It's 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 not bad. It's it's uh, considering that I often find the Liam Ophelia stuff a little bit dull. Yeah, uh, I I,
1: think, I hugely agree with that. But...
0: Uh, I think that uh, their interaction is a bright spot. Uh, Gemma and Ophelia, that is to say.
1: Exactly. It gave Ophelia something to actually chew on for once. I
0: guess we should probably move
1: on to, I think
0: maybe, Eleanor and Swimmer Man?
1: Uh, if we must, then we must. Absolutely. Eleanor seduces this guy successfully. Wow. Shocker. She's a mm-hmm. beautiful princess. She always looks amazing. I love her. Yeah. Um, And she takes him back to her room, and this fucking idiot guy turns back to Jasper after Eleanor goes into her bedroom right. and says something about how she's just another like dirty slut who's desperate to have sex with him and I was like
0: it's something about how he's eager to add um oh. a princess to his bedpost something like that
1: I mean he literally calls her a dirty slut which is never okay but also yeah. I was like She's beautiful. You should be so lucky, you jerk. Like, um, it was just a very nasty moment. And Jasper being Jasper is like, let's take a selfie. And then we cut to Eleanor inside her room picking up the phone. And the selfie is Jasper in the moment, like, side punching this guy's face that his head is a blur.
0: Yeah, like a one-inch punch that somehow knocks this guy cold. Because, again, Jasper is like a Terminator or something, apparently.
1: (laughs) You know, he goes in and there's some more kind of, there's this back and forth between um, him and Eleanor, which is pretty much the basis of their whole relationship, which is who has the upper hand in terms of power.
0: This episode um, also, I think, steps up the aspect of their relationship because now that they're well into the the blackmail storyline instead of mm-hmm. her having just figured it out, like how they interact with each other after the fact that he is blackmailing her, is kind of developing. It's weirdly flirtatious. We kind of briefly touched on this before, but like she like runs her foot up his sternum, like <laughs> sexually while being like, we both know you're never gonna release the tape.
1: Yeah. And she almost seems
0: disappointed when he does not have blackmail sex with
1: her. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say almost. It's a very uh, yeah. strange
0: aspect of the show.
1: I understand where they're coming from in terms of like writing and into the show in terms of like appealing to their audience. And the actors who play Eleanor and Jasper are both good and they have good chemistry. Yep. It's just It's like one of those things where in the moment when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good scene to be watching right now. But then the more you think about it, like, the worse it gets. You know what I mean? Um, And it almost wasn't until I, like, really started getting into the show instead of just watching it casually that I was like, wait a second, this is super effed up. Although the moment, of course, in the first episode did like I talked about last time, take me aback, seriously. Um, Yeah, but he walks out and they don't have sex. Um, And speaking of not having sex, amazing segue on my part. I just wanted to briefly touch on the conversation between King Simon and Prudence in the kitchen because... uh, there's like a weird moment that I want to talk about. So they're talking about playing cards for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, King Simon starts talking about the suicide King, which is the King on the cards. Who's apparently like, it, he might stabbing be stabbing a knife or, into himself yeah. or you don't know that it's his hand. So King Simon says like, he's talking about the suicide King. And then without even taking a breath, he immediately goes, do you have any children?
0: And they, I mean, <laughs> a very strange segue. It's a room esque segue. But also, she talks briefly about the circumstances under which she wants to have a child, which is a little more groundwork laying. Rewatching this for the second time, I am noticing a lot more of the groundwork being laid ahead of time.
1: I'm starting to think they might actually have a plan for where they're going with the story, which is more than we thought at first.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) I think there might actually be like an overarching plot. This might have something over lost in that respect, at least.
0: There's also a part in that conversation where she mentions... She's reading or she loves The Great Gatsby.
1: She just finished reading The Great Gatsby.
0: Yeah, and the king just, from memory, begins reciting The Great Gatsby. And it's like, all right, Simon, take it down a notch. We get it.
1: I know. Even I was like, okay. Like, I love The Great Gatsby, but you're you're a little bit much. But I, I also, I think you could write that off as being like, he almost doesn't know how to have normal social interactions. Because he's not used to hanging Probably out with not. people who aren't, yeah. like, his family or diplomats or other politicians, I would assume.
0: Or fawning over him, I guess.
1: Or having like that. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. So I just think their exchanges are nice. Um, Somewhat less charming, we see the passed out swimmer outside Uh Eleanor's room. And I know you all remember this part. Penelope and Maribel grab him by the wrists, and drag his lifeless body down the hallway. We have to assume to sexually assault him because one of them says to the other, and God knows I can't keep their names straight, Uh, you'll finally get the chance to lose your virginity, Friggy. Like Friggy as in frigid. Um, So I don't know how the mechanics of that will work, and let's not figure it out on air.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we have to keep a graph to to – To kind of keep track of all the sexual assault in this show already. We're only in episode two. There's got to be like five victims so far.
1: I didn't know that we would be covering this topic as much as we are. I hope that uh, for everyone listening, we're doing it in a way that doesn't seem flippant. Because it's not a subject that we take lightly at all. Uh, We just want to point out how absurd it is that the show treats this as lightheartedly as it does.
0: Right. It is the basis for a lot of... Jokes and/or romances. Um, and...
1: Yes, uh, that most notably that joke at the beginning when Helena's like to her daughter Eleanor, who fondled you as a child, and Eleanor says, "Cyrus, of course." But she like, bar- I mean, it, I think it's meant to be a joke, but it, it doesn't. It it's a weird moment for her mom. Yeah. Not, I mean, I don't know. I don't make jokes like that around my mom, but my mom's not a queen?
0: Question mark. It's especially strange because. As the audience, we're aware of how incredibly shady and dubious Cyrus is as a human being. Not to mention, and we Watcherous. watched him
1: um, sexually assault Prudence in the first episode.
0: Yeah, so so
1: it's like it's not a cool joke to make. E, are you listening? E, yeah. because we're watching.
0: Party is more or less closed. Um,
1: oh, we have left out one incredibly important plot point that will come into play in a huge way. Um, so Helena goes to her bedroom and she's like, the stopper in my perfume bottle is off. That's weird. Oh, right. Looks up in the mirror and like a horror movie reveal that, um, officer or retired officer from the garden party who we saw her flirting with is there. And it's very clear that they have a romantic slash sexual relationship.
0: Very long standing.
1: Yeah. They've known each other for a long time. He has a nickname for her. And we must point out that this dude looks a lot like Prince Liam. Yeah, that's true a lot. He's blonde. He has very similar fe- facial features.
0: More so than Simon, who's kind of a doughy guy, like he's not Simon is not mm. like extraordinarily attractive.
1: They just have different head shapes. That's the way yeah. I see it. Uh, I feel like Simon has a just a a, a square head, but then Liam does. That's not yeah. even meant as an insult. Liam has a pointier chin, that's all. Gosh, I'm looking over my incredibly disorganized Uh, out of order notes and I think the only thing I haven't touched on is I want to just do another shout out to the costume designer of this show, who really just does a perfect job at every turn. I was loving the fascinators in this episode; they were so fun. Um, Eleanor's dress and boots were great. Cyrus, like we said, always looks fantastic. Like yeah. um, the costumes in this show always feel completely occasion and character appropriate. Like Queen Helena has a fascinating made of peacock feathers, which for her is just like says so much. So, um, I,
0: I imagine going forward, episode by episode. Uh, there was not a ton in the first episode, but I think there will be a lot of discussion of issues sartorial.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I mean, um, as has probably become clear to anyone listening, I don't always love the writing on the show. Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But the show is always really pretty to look at. Always. Like, it's very well shot, and they really... I mean, we talked about this last episode. They really just... Use every location in that palace.
0: They get their money's worth for for however long they're allowed to film there. A couple final notes. There's a little conversation between Simon and Liam where Liam is trying to convince his father that he is uh, ready to take the crown, Um, and it's kind of a nice father son moment.
1: Not even that he's ready, just that that he wants to have a chance to prove himself. Because Ophelia tells him before she breaks up with him that he could. He could be a great king. And Liam, you know, takes that to heart, which is nice. Again, I find their relationship a little dull. Like, say what you will about Eleanor and Jasper, their storyline definitely is in an extremely dark, morally gray area. The darkest shade of gray. Um, But at least, oh, 50 shades of gray. Oops. Um, At least they're interesting to watch. And there's kind of twists and turns there.
0: And then there's a little wrap up montage. There's one shot of Prudence with a gun in her purse in that montage. Which at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which at this point in the show is. uh, The purpose of that is kind of vague. I guess you're supposed to believe that it's some kind of protection against Cyrus,
1: maybe? I thought that she might even be part of some sort of assassination plot.
0: The reason for her owning a gun is pretty unclear, but there is that quick shot that I think is a semi-important thing to note.
1: Here's my question for our wrap-up of our wrap-up. What was your favorite moment of the episode?
0: It might be Cyrus's cravat. It's a great cravat.
1: (laughs) Just the cravat (laughs) itself?
0: Uh, No, I mean, it works as a whole. But no, him, like, Sort of uh, darkly hunkered over that table, drinking from that snifter in that outfit, doing his juicy line readings is something to very much enjoy. I mean, just the image of not even before before he even speaks when he enters the tent and Cyrus is there alone with the bottle and the snifter just hunched over like immediately. It's like, all right, this is that I enjoyed very much.
1: I mean, I already said earlier in the episode, but that is my answer, too. I kind of don't see how anything else could be my answer. It's that monologue is so um, just like teeth gnashingly villainous. Like, oh, I would love to hear Jeremy Irons read that monologue. I really would. Mm -hmm. Not that the actor who plays Cyrus isn't doing a phenomenal job because he's perfect. And like I said before, he looks so much like Simon that it's kind of eerie. Um, But that was just so great. Again, hats off to him. I feel like many a time we're going to sit down for our moment of the week, and it's going to be um, Cyrus who ends up being the one Probably to take the crown. To, yeah,
0: for a character that I am not crazy about, i i kind of I kind of have an affection for Ophelia playing with the fascinators after she is clearly drunk.
1: That was another it's, one that stuck out to me.
0: She she does it playfully, and I, I think I think I think that moment works pretty well.
1: I also really liked the moment where we like cut right back we've been away from the drinking contest we come back and it's just obvious that ophelia is wasted and gemma is like honestly sober like nothing about her has changed that amused me it's kind of an old gag but oh well sometimes those they're classics for a reason all right well i think that's about it thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of stage of fools i'm shannon camp
0: i am zach powers
1: all right thanks for listening good night thanks (laughs)
0: bye Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.